Hello and welcome to Neither the Time Nor the Space, a podcast about Doctor Who and also the Sarah Jane Adventures. My name is David and as always I am joined by the disappearing Matt. David, I need you. <laughs> Could that oh, be the new hello there? Oh, I hope not. I sincerely hope not. It, it, it's bad enough having listen, having to listen to Mr. Smith. I need you multiple times every week. Yeah, I, I don't I don't need it coming from you as well, Matt. Uh, all right then. Um, yes, we are talking about uh, whatever happened to Sarah Jane today. Mm. Um, the 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 fourth regular story from from series one of the Sarah Jane Adventures, fifth story overall. We should probably just sort of stop counting them like that. It's it's very confusing. Yeah, I can't wait till we hit season two, and it's just easy again, isn't it? Oh, that will that will make it uh, substantially easier, certainly. Um, but yeah, it's the the penultimate story of the series. We're rattling through them, aren't we? Oh, thank heavens! Okay. <laughs> well, um, I will of course ask you in abundant detail what you made of the story in due course um but before we get there matt how has your week been um incredibly insanely busy really uh this week i have worked two 18 hour days two 12 hour days and a 10 hour day Good Lord, that does not sound healthy. Yeah, I don't think I've really slept. I kind of lost my mind a bit today. Yeah, yeah. Well, I hope after this you have it. You have a good old, uh, good old sit down. Um, I mean, I, I don't want to give the game away too early, but as soon as we finish, David, uh, I need to text Harry from Who Can Convince You because I'm guesting on their podcast tonight. Oh God, I didn't realise that when I. Uh, this was a bit of a, <laughs> bit of a. Um, uh, spontaneous recording session for, for, for me and you. I've had a window of opportunity, so I messaged you out the blue this afternoon. Hey, do you want to record on a Friday, uh, Friday afternoon, Matt? And, uh, yeah, I was completely oblivious to the fact that this that this was right. one Let, of two podcast records you've got today. Right. Let, let me talk you through my week, David. Right, okay. okay. Because uh, I don't know whether I've mentioned on pod, but I'm basically starting a new job with... It's at the same school, but extra responsibilities and... Those responsibilities come into effect next week. Right. So I've been trying to prepare for that. So Monday, I worked half six in the morning till half six at night. Yeah. Um, and then Tuesday, I did the same. But then it was parents' evening. Uh. And after parents' evening, it was the school prom till about midnight. Uh-huh. Um, then on Wednesday, I did half six till half six. Thursday night, last night, was another prom and parents' evening. Um, and then tonight, I got up at half six, went to work, came home, watched the Sarah Jane Adventures recording with you, probably have about eight minutes to eat my tea, then I'm recording Who Can Convince You. <laughs> Goodness me, that is a whirlwind. Um, yeah, sleep when you're I mean... dead. That's what I say, man. <laughs> Do you ever resent the fact that uh, Doctor Who fandom and podcasting about Doctor Who related stuff has become like the, 
just the thing that, that that eats up the majority of your time in between work and sleep? Uh, I mean, to an extent, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, watching Sarah Jane Adventures against the clock is not how that show should be viewed. No, absolutely when it, when you're like, not. Come on, come on, I need to talk to David. And it's just like, <laughs> Sarah Jane. What are you doing? Mr. Smith, I need you. I was like, yeah, 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 hurry up. I don't need 30 seconds of a computer coming out a wall. <laughs> yeah, I mean, certainly, you're, you're going to notice... You're going to notice that kid's... Sh- uh, that sort of... Well, I say kid's show pacing, but it's not sort of the kid's show pacing you'd expect nowadays, where everything is tends to be quite frenetic. It is languorous at times. <laughs> It is yeah. distinctly unhurried in its approach to storytelling. Um, but uh, anyway, yeah. Well, w- w- you did it. Yeah. It's been watched. We're here. We can discuss it. Um, what, what about and, you? How's your week been? Oh, um, same as ever, really, for me, you know. Um, I had a pretty disastrous... Uh, you know how I, how I only go into the office one day a week? And I've never like, like fully comprehended a bit of a flex why. There after I've been complaining about how much I've worked this week. Just like, I'm doing yes, well, it, it's it's. <laughs> I do work the other four days. <laughs> I just do it from home. But it it, it 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 this week it kind of served to underscore the pointlessness of the endeavour, because. The idea of it is, you know, that I'm in the office with everyone else and people can see me and talk to me and and all of that. Um, And so normally I go in on a Tuesday. This week, my boss said, uh, don't come in on the Tuesday. We're rearranging the desks and stuff. So come in on the Wednesday instead. So great. I come in on the Wednesday. um, I get in. uh, The computer on the desk I use is is all disconnected. Um, it's not remotely set up. All your the person who was... affections were in the bin. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Rearranged um... the desks to get rid of you. <laughs> it kind of felt like it. So I was just like, right, what am I meant to do? So I ended up in my, having my own private office. I was in my boss's boss's office because she was on uh, annual leave. Um. So, yeah, um... That was that was a slightly odd experience to be uh, uh, doing that. Uh, and then it got to about uh, half two in the afternoon and there was like a big... So- the office building we were on, it's sort of like it's overlooking a sort of big pavemented... Uh, what would you call it? Like a quad sort of area lots of picnic benches it's overlooking the the sort of lake on the campus and stuff it's you know it's very nice but it, it's a venue that tends to get used for events and things at times and it turns out there was an event scheduled for that afternoon which had featured a band um you know playing pop hits of the last 20 years at full blast um with quite a noisy crowd and uh, I, I was, it got to to like half three and I was just like, I'm here for another, I'm, I'm getting nothing done. If I'd been allowed to stay at home today, I would have had, a, 
you know, a hundred percent more effective day that I ended up having. So I just sort of t- said to my boss, look, look, I'm sorry, I'm getting nothing done. Can I just go home, please? And make up the time. And she was like, yeah, sorry, this was a mistake telling you to come in today, wasn't it? So, um, yeah, I, look, I, I, I get why some people like working in an office, but I, I, I get nothing from it. Absolutely diddly squat, you know. I, I, even when I am in the office, if I'm like, I have a question for a colleague, colleague, I will just ask them on Slack because it seems less rude than going over to their desk and talking to them and interrupting their flow. They can just pick that message up when they need to. Um, so it's just, it, it, it seems like a relic to me at this point to, to still be doing that. Um, but anyway, uh, other than that, I've had yeah, I've had a fine week. Um, As part my, of my new job, I have my own yeah. office. That's the dream. Yeah, yeah, that is. I, I mean, I, I, I make do with a desk in my bedroom at the moment. But uh, my sincere hope is when, when I'm next in a position to be moving house, I would love to have a proper little office to myself. Yeah, a little room at work that only yeah. I'm allowed in. It's amazing. I think, I mean, well, in a school, you kind of need that, don't you? You, you know, you've got kids swarming around the rest of the place. You've got to have somewhere to hide from them. Yeah. Um, anyway, well done. You you are, as indeed all teachers are, an absolute hero, Matt. Yeah, just I a cog in the machine. I do not understand why anyone does your job. Living that sweet academy dream. Ah, <laughs> oh, dear oh dear um but yeah other than that personally quite an uneventful week not an uneventful week uh on, on sort of a national level <laughs> yeah it's a yeah. small matter of our of our uh horrible um comp- you know yeah, I, 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 I was, I, I, I felt felt like more adjectives were needed. Horrible uh, doesn't really uh, do 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 justice to, um, the, the sheer moral bankruptcy of that man. Yeah, I can't um, believe he resigned. I can't believe he's resigned, but also they're still letting him just captain the ship I, for several more months. I genuinely believed he was such a proud cretin that yeah. all he had to do was not resign. If he if yeah. he didn't resign, he would be in power, right? For as long as he pleased. I genuinely can't believe he resigned. Um, I mean, it was getting to the point where it was, it was completely unsustainable. But oh, I, I do. Do, gen- do you think that was the point he excused the? behaviour of someone who was sexually harassing colleagues. Mm. Yes. Apparently that was... That really is an end-of-the-line type behaviour, isn't it? I mean, that's the thing that sticks in my craw. It's it's like all the people who resigned uh, this week, then there's nothing heroic about what any of them did, you know? The idea that, that this was the straw that broke the camel's back, you know, this is, uh, uh, this, up with this I shall not put. It's like, what about all the other shit? I mean, all 
the other shit. Yeah, like, what about it's not when just he told, this. Um, is it Sajid Javid? Javid. What about yeah, when yeah, he Javid, told yeah. Vid that there'd been no Downing Street parties? So he went on a press bonanza denying <laughs> any Downing Street parties only yeah. for the evidence to present it to him. Yeah. Yeah, you would have thought that would have been the point at which he's, he, he was like, right, throwing in the towel, not having this. I, but I no. particularly liked the comments of Lieber Leder, Kia Starmer, where he said, yeah. this is not rats abandoning a, uh, a sinking ship, this is sinking ships abandoning the rat. <laughs> Imagine if someone it's... said that about you. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, Boris Johnson, let, let's be honest, he's an absolute twonk. He's a pure idiot. But, like, people have been really horrible, haven't they? <laughs> like, what, what time do you think he's going to go to bed tonight? But the thing is, I don't think... We might have to call this, by the way, man. <laughs> the thing is, I don't... I genuinely don't think it bothers him. Do, do you think I he's think going he to is... bed, like, half eight, early night, all tuckered out, like, oh... And he just shuts his eyes, and that's it. Like, I think so. I think I think he is he is incredible at compartmentalization and 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 um, self delusion. I think that that is sort of the engine that has driven him since day one. You know, um, because you know there is there's you know there is no substance to him in political terms, is there? No. Absolutely no. Anyway, um, this is this is going to date very badly and be very boring for our international listeners, and frank, frankly, probably boring for a lot of our UK well, listeners who listen to nothing last week else we did for weeks. Five but... minutes on my new shoes. I think talking about you know, <laughs> the political landscape. Yeah, okay. it's not it's not every day that a prime minister resides in this country. It's about once every three years. Yeah. <laughs> it's the average at the moment. Uh, if, if anyone was wanting uh, a shoe update, my feet still really hurt. Oh, dear. Have, did you revert to, 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 to a previous pair or have you, have you, you toughed it out? Um, I've worn... Well, I had to wear them to the prom because they're my smart right. shoes. So I've worn them yeah. two nights this week and then worn big, comfy rigger boots the rest of the week. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, thank you for the shoe update. Well, Much appreciated. That's quarter of an hour. <laughs> <laughs> done. You know, we were like, we've got to get this done hasty tonight. There's 15 minutes done. Uh, indeed. Uh, right, okay. A to Z. Let's do it. It's the finale. It is. Here we go. <laughs> Where do you want to start, Matt? Uh, well, I want to start, David, with yeah. a little, little tale. Right. Because, as you know, I mentioned this last week, yeah. that the Who Can Convince You podcast had sent us a gift. Yes. Now, I didn't realise that gift was in recognition of completing and finalising the A to Z of Doctor Who. Oh, Wow. Right, now I have opened this gift, mm -hmm. I have perused this gift, but it is something I genuinely want you to have. Ah. Oh. And 
God knows when I'm going to see you again, because we were meant to play D&D this weekend, but it's my mum and dad's wedding anniversary, so I'm not going. Oh, that's, that's a shame, because it's the first one I've been able to get to for months. Uh, well, this, this gift I, I, is genuinely beautiful. Mm. And when the time comes, I'll put a picture on our uh, Twitter. But I'm going to mm-hmm. send you a picture here, David. Right, okay. okay. I'm ready. Yeah, just uh, just opening it up. Oh, that's that's your f- foot again. Yeah, there is a picture of yep. my mangled foot again. Yep. Uh, I bet it's uh, a real up. picture. Here you go. That, that, that was very upsetting. Thank you for that, Matt. <laughs> oh, that is gorgeous, though, isn't it? David, honestly, it's beautiful. Ah, uh, that is a picture of uh, of a book. Um, ver- this is very 20th century who I, I at a guess I would say probably published uh, early to mid 80s looking at the logo it is the I just checked. there you go the Doctor Who illustrated A to Z that is lovely honestly uh, uh, the, that, the pictures in it in fact yeah. I just spotted there was some in colour um, mm. It is beautiful. I'm going to send yeah. you the picture for Z for this week. Yeah. Um, hold on. I love that. I love that it's got an axon front and center. Mm, I've been hoping for the axons to make a comeback for a very long time. Um, I've lost the color picture. I flicked through, and I clearly saw Colin Baker. There he is. Oh, it was the the color picture is D for doctors. Ah. Um, in fact, oh, I, might, that is I, I might get this image tattooed on my chest. Ah, <laughs> oh, look at them. All, look at them all six of the doctors. Like, uh, genuinely, uh, like, I want you to have this book because it's so beautiful. Yeah. Like, I know you'll give it the love it deserves. I definitely um, but will. off the back of that, I don't think Harry updated his eBay shipping address, so he also bought some sheet music that's coming to me. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I mean, I guess you you can. Uh, you, you got any instruments knocking around? David, I have your place? the same musical ability as a loaf of bread. <laughs> Uh, well, uh, I'm sure you can give it a bash anyway. Just sing it, sing it, sing it when it arrives. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll, I'll try. But anyway, yeah. That well, well, thank you, Harry. That that is a a, a gorgeous thing, and I'll I'll enjoy leafing through that with um with little Zorbs as well, because he's not watching Doctor Who yet, but he really enjoys uh flicking through Doctor Who magazine with me every month. And uh, looking at all the uh, robots and aliens. There's actually quite a few pictures in colour. Um, mm. I might send you some more, because some of these... Like, it's got Morbius in colour. Oh, nice. Like, I, I know this isn't great Does through, it... like, an audio medium. Some, <laughs> of, some of these pictures. Um, yeah. When you, When you look through stuff like this... Do you like get Doctor Who fandom a bit more? 
because I find it's this sort of thing that makes me really, it makes me sort of understand what must it have been like to be a child in the 70s or the 80s and like this was your escape, you know? Well, I, I love this book because it reminds me vividly of two books from my childhood. I had one mm. that was quite simply just called Dinosaurs. Yeah. Um, oh, my word. I've just seen the picture of the Sontaran. It's uh, it's beautiful. Oh, and the Sea Devil. David, I'm just going to send you so many pictures. But, um, <laughs> I also had a book. I'm certain I've talked about it on pod that was yeah. called Monsters, Ghosts and UFOs. Mm. And it was very similar to this. Yeah, it just... It, th there's something about oh, this sort no, of... Oh, no, I've just sent my brothers a picture of a Sontaran. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to think you're such a nerd, Matt. Oh, David. Like, wait till you see the picture as well. How can I explain <laughs> to my brothers that, like... Like, um, no, uh, like, it's just a picture of, uh... <laughs> and, and explain to them that that is something that genuinely gives you joy. Yeah, like, um, you know, you know those potato-headed aliens? Um, oh. oh, wow, look oh. at those. Those are gorgeous. Anyway, um, we should probably move on. Yeah. Because we can't we can't do a full hour and a half of just us reacting to pictures that our listeners can't see. Yeah. Uh, but we will we'll we'll stick some pictures up on 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 Twitter. I say we Matt will. Um, that will be a lovely thing. Um, but anyway, Matt. Yeah. Uh, in the spirit of um, the A to Z finale. Shall we? Uh, shall we dig into things? We, we we're doing we're doing Z. Obviously, there must be tons for yeah. Z. So I, I can't lie, David. Uh, yeah. This is the first and well only time from the A to Z where I haven't done any research because I was really <laughs> pressed for time tonight. So <laughs> off the top of my head, uh, I don't think there's any episodes. Maybe the Zygon Invasion, Zygon Inversion. That is is literally the only one. Right. I don't know if there's any companions other than Zoe. Uh, I think, again, that is the only one. Um, for alien races, I think in New Who there's the Zygons. Uh, yes, and Classic Who as well. Okay. But obviously there is uh, the Zero Room and Natural Environment aboard the TARDIS. Uh-huh, yes. Uh, As featured in, in Castrovalva. Okay. Well, there is Zolfathura, a Zan uh, barren sandy planet supporting the five screens built by Meglos to harness the destructive power of the dodecahedron. Uh-huh, yes. Um, is it obvious I'm just reading this book? It, uh, it, it is, rather. <laughs> what about Zar, leader of the tribe of Gum, whose knowledge of the origins of fire died with his father? Oh, what a throwback that is. All the way back to an unearthly child. Oh, is it? Yeah, that's well. You because remember we only watched the first episode of that, and then we skipped the caveman story. Ah. Um, but that's that's from the remaining three parts of that serial, which is is the sort of caveman story where ah, there are stuff. I think underneath yeah. the references in this book, yeah, it tells you the episode. 
Ah. So, for example, for Tsar, it says, the tribe of Gum. See also, Cal. Well, there you go. One I've heard a lot about, but haven't seen. What about the Zabi from the Web Planet? Oh, you know I love a Zabi, Matt. These cheruping insects resembling giant ants were possessed by the Animus, for whom they guarded the enslaved Menoptera on Vortis. Yeah. Now, there's a sentence I didn't think I'd say when I woke up this morning. <laughs> so just to round things out, I will just clarify there, there are no writers uh, with a Z surname to mention here. Um, no classic stories. Uh, you've mentioned all the um, all the major aliens. Do, do we want to mention the Zochi, who are the race, uh, the race that uh, Banner Cafalata comes from? Ah, very nice. Very yeah. nice. First of, I think, probably two mentions for Banner Cafalata that will uh, will fit in this episode. Yeah. yeah. I'm confident he will come up again. Um, uh, and we could, we could also mention a couple of villains, not necessarily creatures, but uh, we've got Professor Zaroff, um, the villain from The Underwater Menace, and more recently, Zelin from Can You Hear Me? All right, there you go. I'm glad you've done and, your homework. Yeah, <laughs> but that's about it. So um, the obvious answer probably is Zygons. Yeah. You know, one of, a, one of only a handful of creatures who've featured prominently in both Old and New Who. You know, in fact, the, the the sheer fact that they've fe they they featured not only in the fiftieth anniversary special, but then got their own dedicated two part story in series nine. That's that's pretty good going. Like, by contrast, Sea Devils. I I, I think Chimnall's got a pretty good uh, job of of ruining their chances of coming back again anytime soon. <laughs> um. I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely quite bitter about that. <laughs> Don't know if you can tell. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, it probably deserves to be acknowledged. But that's not my pick, Matt. My pick has got to be the Zabi. And more specifically, the one Zabi that uh, crashes into a camera uh, in one of <laughs> in an episode of The Web Planet. There's a lovely scene where there's a whole line of them walking towards the camera, like marching along like ants and, you know, these big cumbersome fiberglass costumes. And one of them accidentally bonks the camera and the whole thing like wobbles qu quite substantially. Um, but, you know, for whatever reason, the uh, the director and the editor were just like, yeah, no, we're just leaving that in. <laughs> we're not we're going to go going to reshoot that. Um and so it, it, it's there for all of time. And if I'm allowed to be sentimental for a moment, Matt. Always. Um, yeah, it's very out of character for me, isn't it? Um, that I, I, I'm not just being facetious when I, when I mention that moment. Because when, the first time I watched The Web Planet and I saw that, the feeling it invoked in me was one of pure undiluted joy because I, I love Doctor Who warts and all. 
you know, there, and there, there are a lot of warts. Um, but to me, that is fundamental to the charm of this show in that it is a series of ludicrous, infinite scope continually being hampered by the limitations of uh, budget, time, um, you know, resources, the era in which it's being made. Um, and so it becomes always a reflection of, of the circumstances in which this particular story is trying to be told, you know? Um, and, and I think it's, it's almost, you know, it's unique in that way. So, yeah, I think Doctor Who is, is kind of unique in that way that it will just, uh, you know, be, be this kind of prism with, through which you can view you know, not just the story, but the whole context in which that story came to be. Because you have so much else to compare it to and so many eras. And, you know, it's kind of it's a fundamental part of the appeal to me. Um, so that that, you know, gaff with the Zabi, that it will, will never go away. It was there on the broadcast version it was there on the vhs release it's there on the dvds and the blu-ray and the streaming services <laughs> yeah. it is forever, forever part yeah part of the history of doctor who um so that to me i think is is i can't think of a better note for me to end this a to z on excellent what about you matt um, based on my limited knowledge, yeah. part of me thinks, even though I said it's like a basic response, I might just have to go to Zargon. Yeah. Do you want to pronounce it properly or are you going to stick with that? Um, uh, well, I was looking at this book <laughs> and I said half Zabi, half Zygon, didn't I? You um, did. But in fact, I'm going to go for an alien race covered in sucker-like Oh, it's a good word I haven't seen in a while. Protuberances. Yeah. Protuberances, oh yes. Whose semi-organic spaceship crashed into Loch Ness? I didn't know that. They oh yes. Oh. Should we go on a road trip to Loch Ness? <laughs> I don't know, it's a fair distance. Yeah. They possessed a chameleon-like ability to adopt the form of their human prisoners. The Zygons plan to restructure the Earth prior to its full-scale colonisation by their wandering spaceships. But, David, they fell foul of the, do the Doctor who destroyed them. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, and I think we can all agree the true A to Z is the friends we've made along the way. <laughs> Sure, I guess. <laughs> um, any thoughts, David, as we draw the A to Z to a close? Have you enjoyed <sighs> this project? Yeah, it's been all right. It's past the time, hasn't it? Uh, if you're listening to the uh, compilation version of this, uh, Merry Christmas. <laughs> yeah, there you go. 
Imagine Hope you've enjoyed revisiting these. If you hadn't, imagine if you start listening to our podcast in like October, and you've heard us reference the A to Z, but never gone back mm. and listened, and this is your first experience—the five-hour supercut. <laughs> well, well done. If you, if uh, genuinely, if anyone listens to this in one in one sitting, I guess you technically could, uh, but you shouldn't. But if you have, let us know because. I don't know, that deserves a medal or something. Yeah. Uh, while, whilst we're on, David, whilst we're recording, should we do a quick yeah. intro-outro for that edit? Uh, yeah, I can do if you want. Ho, ho, ho! Merry Christmas! Welcome to the A to Z. Of Doctor Who. Probably worth mentioning that. It's the, it's not just us uh, just reading the alphabet out. All right, all right, let's go from the top. <laughs> No, no, no! It's fine. Leave it. Leave, Leave it. it. I'm not. Yeah, re- I'm, take, I'm not retaking this. Right. <laughs> because <laughs> let's do it. Let's do an outro. Wow! Okay. What a great A to Z. Merry Christmas. And a happy new year. Ho ho ho. Ho ho ho. There we go. Easy. <laughs> One and done. It's finished. I'd love it if you left all that in the edit for this as well. <laughs> Well, just think, David, I'm going to leave that in the edit for this week's episode. I'm going to leave it in the edit for the third part of the A to Z compilation. And it'll be in the edit of the one mega dump five-hour edit. Uh So it's it's going to be like amongst, you know, our most used audio. Yeah, so like, you know, in 50 years' time, when people are reflecting on our pod, They'll be like, oh, my favourite bit was the meal of the week years. Oh, you know, mine was, I always had a soft spot for, have I got who's for you? And then there'll be a little band of weirdos that'll be like, oh, I really like the who, the how, 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 edit. (laughs) So what you're telling me is that they are... They, they're going to be the Wilderness Years fans of this podcast. Yeah, you know what? The I ones who are really into like the Virgin New Adventures drink. novels. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right. Okay, then. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, let's do, since you've mentioned it, Have I Got Who's For You? Have I Got Ho Ho Ho's For You? It's Christmas. No, it's, it, it's, not, it's not actually Christmas, but it's, it's July. Okay. The first, the first. It's it's a slow news week. I hope you're excited. Um, uh, the first hit is um, that Billy Piper's got a new haircut. Oh bless her! I hope it looks nice. <laughs> Digital Spy Doctor Who's Billy Piper debuts emo hair transformation. Guardian have gone with the Daleks invade sixties Surrey. On the set of classic Doctor Who films in pictures, it's a nice little bit of advertising for the uh, for the the Cushing films that re-release. I think there, um, a couple of things about actual doctors. Not, um, oh, Doctor Who actors spotted filming in Central Bristol. Oh, I bet that's exciting. Yeah, it's also three weeks old. In fact, didn't we talk it? about that last week? Uh, it's possible. We certainly covered a lot of the the the. No, last week it was that uh, 
that posh house in Lincolnshire that's possibly oh. being used for the Doctor Who filming. David, I'll be honest, um, when it comes to geography, if it's south of Leeds, I don't really care. <laughs> I'm not get, getting many recent hits at all. I wonder if I can calibrate searchwise.net. Um, did you see the Doctor Who news this sort week by about date. the proposed uh, film? The Doctor oh, yes, we, Doctor film. We definitely covered that in a previous uh, oh, Have okay. I Got Who's For You. Uh, I remember reading that one out because that was the first I'd heard of it. Um, right. Maybe we've just done all the news. Um, let's see. Oh, I've got a a, a link for something I've never I, a website I've never heard of before, claiming to have spoilers for Whitaker's final episode. I'm gonna skip over that because yeah, I genuinely I don't don't want to know that. Um, okay, right. So we we've got Doctor Who boss addresses potential Ryan Gosling cameo, or we can go with Billy Piper's new haircut. <laughs> um, I'm going to take option B, Billy Piper's new haircut. <laughs> All right. That's it. We're going for it. Digital Spy, you get our click today. <sighs> what does Dan Seddon have to say on the matter? Doctor Who favourite Billy Piper has treated Instagram fans to a sneak peek of her dark hair transformation. David, Nicknamed the... I'm firing up mm. Instagram. I'm searching for Billy Piper. There we go. Nicknamed the Emo Glow Up, she uploaded a selfie yesterday, July the 7th. No doubt shocking those who are used to seeing the actress being blonde. Could it be for her main role in the TV adaptation of Terry White's memoir, Coming Undone? I mean, generally speaking, when actors change their hairstyle, that is the reason. Maybe uploaded it as one of those Instagram like things. Where Do you want me to send you the link to the to the Digital Spy article because that does have a picture of it? Oh, I'm, I'm waiting with bated breath. I'm getting my hair cut tomorrow. Yeah. Um. Here we go. Here we go. Boop. Yeah. Um, I mean, n not not a surprise. Uh, famous actress has her hair no, done by a professional. A I have to answer a question. This information will be used right. to personalise your advertising experience. Which age category are you in? 35 to 44. There we go. There's the picture. Uh, I mean, it's just Billy Piper with dark hair, isn't it? It is. That's that's literally all that's happening there. She's going to have to dye it back blonde if she's going to play Rose Tyler again in this 60s. Mm. Oh, God. I really... Look, I thought they did a, a fantastic job with her um, appearance in Day of the Doctor. You know, coming back, playing the uh, the interface of the moment. I thought that was a really clever 
way to acknowledge her role as the first companion of the 21st century of this this sort of run of Doctor Who um, but we we really need to get over Rose at this point don't we If you if you're gonna bring anyone back for the sixtieth, bring flipping Susan back. Mm. You know, Carol Ann Ford's still out there. What? She's... Why does? Why is she being ignored, David? I don't know. It's weird. Did it's she, weird did she that ever they do didn't do anything, anything to like bring her. shame upon herself. I no. 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 Seems alright. Uh, her her main thing is that she struggled to find work after Doctor Who because she was saddled with really terrible scripts and uh, casting directors got the impression that she was a terrible actress, which um, was really unfair. Um, so she's always had a bit had a bit of a complex relationship with Doctor Who for that reason. Um, but she is a good actor and there is absolutely no reason why you couldn't uh, bring Susan back in some capacity, for the 60th anniversary. Uh, but anyway, that's just my tuppence on the matter. There we go. Mm. So, Matt. Yep. We're talking about whatever happened to Sarah Jane this week. Yes, we are. Um, do our listeners have any thoughts on the matter? I, I always fail to load this up. I know you we do. always go. You have, have one got, job, man. Have I got who's for you straight into listener tweets? And, yeah. Uh, it's literally, that's been the structure of the show for several months at this point. Yeah. yeah. Hold on, hold on. Uh, here we go. Uh, I think we've only got two tweets this week. Great. It's good, isn't it? <laughs> that's, that's helpful for all of us, I think, today. Yeah. Because I, I know you're trying to keep this snappy, but I'm on the shandy, so I, I, I don't know if you've noticed, I'm feeling chatty. Ah, well, David. Uh-huh. I, I feel this episode's going to be marred by the fact that we just keep sending each other pictures. And, and then <laughs> you say that like that's... Uh, oh, I, I, you know what? I guess I have done that with, uh, with the whole Billy Piper thing. So, yeah, it is a two-way yeah. street. Yeah. So I've just sent you a picture because, David, I'm also on the shandies. Oh, lovely. There we go. And when I say shandies, I mean straight lager. (laughs) Uh, Not a shandy at all, then. No, no. Uh, Who do you want first? BT Flippity Giggard or James Swift? Um, Let's go with the curator. Greetings, curator, by the way. Okay. So, this is the story... Where Sarah Jane Adventures comes into its own, in my opinion. The Mm. Trickster is an amazing villain. Never referred to as the Trickster in the episode, I think. No, he is once. Oh, right. Once or twice, I think, yeah. I'll warn you in advance, in my notes he's called the Hooded Figure. Oh, well that's fine. So, the Trickster is an amazing villain. The storyline is compelling and tragic. And it mm. manages to balance all that with its kids' show atmosphere. And then for Zed, I don't really get this. I think this is one of those references where you know our horrible listeners try to be too clever and I don't understand. Mm. It says, Zagreus sits inside your head. Zagreus lives among the dead. Zagreus sees mm. you in your bed and eats you when you're sleeping. 
Which that is either is... an obscure Doctor Who reference, or mm-hmm. BT Flibbity Giggard has cursed us, David. <laughs> Possibly both. Uh, it's, uh, it's a Big Finish reference. Get a life. That's all uh, I have to say to that. Zagreus was this kind of storyline that they threaded through um, the main range uh, in the early days of, of uh, Big Finish's Doctor Who stuff, um, culminating in, I think, that I want to say the 50th story, which I think coincided with the 40th anniversary of Doctor Who. Great. And so it was like this big big special event thing um i i have i haven't listened to all of the the stuff that ties into it i just listened to the eighth doctor stories leading up to it because it was probably you know it was centered around the eighth doctor um i found zagreus to be borderline unlistable (laughs) i did not enjoy that story at all um but you know I, i'm open to giving it another go at some point i might feel differently about it at a later date but um uh yeah no that one that one didn't work for me on a first listen right wow there you go little little um uh, unsolicited review of sagreus there yeah so if you listened to bt's review and you're like oh that's intriguing i might give that a go don't bother. <laughs> oh no, David David definitely. Says it's shit. Uh, uh, it, don't get me wrong, it's shit, but it's fascinatingly shit and it's definitely worth your time. And lots of people love it. But um, not us. It, we hate it. Let's yeah. go on record, David. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it very much it falls into the category of, I think, noble failure rather than just boring, you know, mess. <laughs> which is the worst kind of bad Doctor Who. Right. If, if that makes sense. Shall we move on to James Swift's tweet? Yeah, go on then. Right. James Swifty Swift says, I like this episode. I think it's the first episode that truly finds what this show is, other than Doctor Who for younger children. Mm. The trickster is brilliant and should have been brought into the main show. However, it is responsible... For an awkward moment I had in high school. Oh. Now, James Swift doesn't tell us what that awkward moment is. So what do you think it is, David? I don't know. I, I, my, my first thought is that, he, he you know, he, he went in and be like, Oh my God, guys, did you watch Sarah Jane Adventures last night? Wasn't it amazing? And everyone is just like, nah. I reckon he went to like a boozy teenage house party, uh-huh. and, and they were like, "Oh, there's a there's a girl over there, James. She she's keen on you." And yeah. James went into a dark room with this girl, you know, maybe hooked up, maybe had some fun. And when he flicked the lights on, it was just a horrible little goblin man that tasered James. <laughs> <laughs> An awkward moment I had in high school. When I got off with a horrible with a little goblin kidnapper. <laughs> oh, trust me, we are going to talk about the grasp, yeah. Matt. I can see we how that would talk open old it. wounds for you, James. Don't worry, yeah, we've all been definitely. There. Yeah. All right then, Matt. Um, 
Who cares what our listeners think? What did you make of whatever happened to Sarah J? It was all right, wasn't it? Yeah. I, I think it's certainly... I see where, uh, where James and the curator are coming from in terms of this probably being the most distinct of the series so far. It the was, most ambitious. It was very different, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, I think it's helped enormously by the fact that Luke is written out in the second scene and isn't doesn't come back until the end of the story. Oh, 100%. <laughs> Good riddance to bad rubbish. Yeah. I, I, I Honestly, it... I, I, I did find myself, uh, you know, it was getting towards the end of the first episode and I was like, you know what, I'm quite enjoying this. I'm re- what What is different this week? Why am I enjoying this? And then I was like, there's been no Luke for ages. He's gone. Exactly. That's it. After the bit That's... where he was like, what is skateboarding? What is its purpose? Mm. Oh, man. You know what? As an autistic man, I I, I, I I have a certain degree of sympathy for Luke, you know, in the... Yeah, but David, he you is... weren't bred in the Coca-Cola factory. No, no, you I wasn't. I, I, I feel like that's probably worth clarifying. To, <laughs> yes. to the best of my knowledge, the person <laughs> you refer to as mother is yeah. your mother. No, she 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 definitely is. Um, and your uh, father is not an Amiga built into the attic. <laughs> no, also true. Um, but uh, yeah, so like on a sort of base level, I do kind of get the whole like there there are certainly times when I will be sat watching, a, you know, a football matches on the television, and and I do sort of have that thought of like. What is the purpose of football? <laughs> you know, because I I do not I do not understand the appeal uh, on on a personal level, but I do have the ability to take a step, uh, you know, step out of my shoes and into someone else's for a second and and, and think, oh, people enjoy exercise and games. I like games, just not this particular kind of game, and that's okay, uh, <laughs> and I can move on with my day. Um, so. Yeah, I, I have a little bit of sympathy for the whole Luke's kind of uh, outsideriness, if you like. Um, but the execution of it is so, so tiresome. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's only um, been, what, four episodes? And I'm so sick yeah. of it. Yeah. Yeah, um, so as I say, big hopes for, for for series two that it that it kind of um, w- we move that character on in in a in a useful fashion. Mm. Uh, but anyway, yeah, um, should we just get stuck into it? Uh, because I I don't think I've, I've up top I don't think I've got much more to say. Yeah, I, I broadly speaking, I I enjoyed this. I do think it's probably the strongest of the series so far. Uh, I'm quietly hopeful that maybe we we're in for a good finale. Mm, I so. don't know. I don't know. I hope we continue this trajectory. But yeah, if I'm honest, I have no faith in this series. <laughs> Fair enough. Right. Hit me with the facts, Matt. Right, so this is Whatever Happened to Sarah Jane. 
Mm-hmm. It is written by Gareth Roberts, directed by Graham Harper. Yep. Oh, Graham Harper. D- does that name ring bells with you? No. Veteran uh, director, the only director to have uh, directed both classic and modern Who. Oh, he gets everywhere, he, doesn't he? Yeah, he got his 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 debut on on classic Who was uh, the Caves of Androzani. Don't know if you ever heard of that one. I've heard it. Only the life. most the most critic critically acclaimed. Um, or, so, or certainly within fan circles, uh, classic Who story of all time. Um, well, he also he did a lot of directing during the uh, RTD years. Um, he did like Utopia and uh, Last of the Time Lord Sound of Drums. That one he did. Um, oh, I think he did the the, the first Cyberman two parter as well. I'm, I'm off the top going of my to head. throw my hat in the ring, David, and yeah. say the better Doctor Who stories take place on Androzani Minor rather than Androzani Major. <laughs> uh, which one? Now, Andr- so Androzani Minor, that's the one that where the Doctor, the Witch of the Wardrobe take place, is, takes correct, place, isn't it? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. What a pointless See, throwaway. There, there's that a Doctor is. Who joke. I've made a Doctor Who joke for all our listeners. They're probably at home laughing their little socks off. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, so so Graham Harper, he is like, um, I guess, safe pair of hands. Yeah, big man on campus. Yeah. Right. Um, It's from the 29th of October and the 5th of November, 2007. Yeah. Right. We open, David, in a skate park. We do. Uh, Luke wants to know the point of skateboarding. Uh Uh-huh. And Sarah Jane is just, she's just relaxing, David, just letting her hair down. Mm-hmm. They even make a joke that, you know, when they first met, she was horrible and now she's a bit more relaxed. Yeah, Which, I mean, it's true. I think that's in keeping with her characterisation. I think we were pretty critical in her first appearance. We were, yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, you certainly were. Yeah, I'm still. I'm not sort of blinded by honest. general affection for the character. I much preferred the timeline where we had Andrea. Yeah. Right. I don't know if you know this, David, but you know Maria's dad? Yeah. He is one rad skater guy. Uh, yep. Don't forget, guys, bend your knees when you do an ollie. <laughs> so, here's a question for you, Matt. What are they doing with Maria's dad as a character? What is the intention here? David, he's the most enigmatic, confusing <laughs> character. Like, he he's everything and nothing. Yeah. You know, like, when he got turned to stone, it was like, so tragic. He's such a great guy. Oh, my word. And in this one, he it's like he's been kicked in the head by a horse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and also, just the fact that, like... Every woman in this story is horny for him. Yeah. Like, I, I just, I, and yeah, and yeah, he just seems like, like a sort of template of a human being. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't get it. I don't get what, I don't think it's any fault of the actor. I think he is absolutely doing the best with what little he is being given. Do you, do you know who he reminds me of? 
You know, hey. you know, in Chuckle Vision, and I know we reference Chuckle Vision too much. But yeah, I think that we we mentioned it last week. You know how so. every week they'd work for the same man, but some weeks uh, yes. he was a bank manager, some weeks he was yeah. a baker, some weeks no he was a builder. That's how yeah. I see Maria's dad. He's whatever the <laughs> plot needs him to be. He, you he, think he's like Mr. Ben and he just ex, goes off and, exactly and has a different adventure. <laughs> Whatever pair of trousers he puts on in the morning dictates what who he is that day. <laughs> I'm amazed there's not a little man in a fez behind him going, why don't, why don't you wear some armour today, Maria's dad? I don't even know his name. I, he's forever Maria's dad. I, d- d- I guess he must have one, but... And they do um, call him it in this. For some reason, I want to call him uh, Ian, but I don't think that's right. Who who knows? Who knows? Right. Um, so, they are taking photos of one another. Yeah. And Sarah Jane is cold. Oh, it's like someone's walked over my grave, David. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is where the trickster, a hooded figure, appears. Mm, dun, dun, dun. Okay, so... We then get the titles, and yep. then... Still hate that title sequence. I, I know you do. I was trying to breeze mm. through that. It's sorry. <laughs> yeah. It was like... It'd be like if I tried to make the Doctor Who introduction, but I made it on PowerPoint. Yeah, and you had 20 minutes. <laughs> um, then Maria's dad, he's so cool, it becomes mm-hmm. uncool. Right. I've yeah. said he's so rad, it's Mondo uncool, folks. Dude. <laughs> yep. He is Folk not dudes. bodacious, man. Uh, no, he is not. He's an uh, embarrassment to all, apparently. Um, Sarah Jane summons Mr. Smith. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was and, hoping that you'd again, say it. Uh, I need you, Mr. Smith. Yeah. There we go. We get that, and... Uh, <sighs> They, they haven't cut that sequence down yet, have they? No, no, still there, in full. One second, I'm just going to let the dog out. You can come with me, because you're plugged into my ears. This is our best episode ever. I'll keep talking if you like, but um, I've left the recorder on the desk, so I doubt it's being picked up. Look, we say this every week, this is staying in the edit. Apparently it's what we need to do. <laughs> Agreed. I have absolutely no idea how much of that's actually going to get picked up because I didn't bring the recorder with me as well, which would have been the smart thing. Well, I could do it Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Right. So, (sighs) Mr. Smith is checking on the position of a meteor which is approaching Earth. And would you believe it, David? It's approaching directly through a radar black spot. Oh, no. Like... It's as if Earth has literally no other meteor detection systems other than radar. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So let's talk, let's pause for a moment and talk in full about this, we'll call it what it is, a contrivance. This conceit to, so that we have a ticking time bomb for this story. A meteor is heading towards Earth. Um, nobody else on Earth is going to detect it, but don't worry, 
Mr. Smith can just bop it away like a tennis ball with his magic supercomputer powers. So, Sarah Jane Smith basically says that she she is responsible. She is Earth's first line of defence against uh, rogue meteors crashing into the Earth and potentially causing an extinction-level event. Yeah. And, and no one else cru- And crucially... She is not willing to share that technology with anyone else yeah. or make it anyone else's responsibility. She's got her supercomputer that can do it, but does even though it is a supercomputer made with alien technology, it does still require someone to manually operate a lever. <laughs> we find out at the end. So I, I'm just put throwing this out there. I, I just feel like she hasn't quite thought this through. There needs to be a contingency here. Do you not think? Yeah. I, I... Um, it's just like, when, when did Sarah Jane Smith become a sort of Ron Swanson-style libertarian? It was just like, oh, yeah, I'm not having a, a, any governments having access to my anti-meteor technology. I, like, I... At this point as well, would Sarah Jane... No, Harriet Jones. That's a good question. You know. They they cross. Do they cross paths at uh, the end of um, series four? They do. In you know that episode that has everyone. Yeah. Being in yes, it? that's the one I'm thinking of. But I'm I'm like, do they actually share any screen time? Because Harriet Jones is just well, she's I think off on her own a bit, isn't like, she? a super video conference where everyone checks in. Yes, yeah. Oh, I guess, yeah, that, so at the very least they've had a Zoom chat. Yeah, yeah. Just peeking on my dog because I heard him gobbing in the garden. I think he's gone back in now. I might just close the door. I'll take the I'll take the recorder with me this time, so so everyone can come with me, not just you, Matt. Amazing. This is still up. We can keep talking about Sarah Jane if you want. You right. Know. Well, let's go. Let's crack on. Uh, so Sarah Jane sends Liv to make a cup of tea, and that's just a tactic to get her out of the way, so she can bestow a magic cube on Maria. Yeah. Are you coming in, Moss? Uh, it is a magic cube given to her by a soothsayer. Who said, remember, and give this to the person you trust the most. Mm-hmm. It's a puzzle box. I was half hoping it was the puzzle box out of Hellraiser. And like horrible demon monsters were going to come <laughs> and just like flay the skin off Sarah Jane. Yes, uh, would have been a slightly different show. I guess that's what Torchwood is for. Right, well, Maria opens the puzzle box. As the hooded, no-face man known as the Trickster approaches. Mm-hmm. It erases Sarah Jane's car. How is she ever going to claim on the insurance? <laughs> yep. I hope she's got third-party fire and theft. Mm-hmm. We'll just say it's been nicked. Right, Maria wakes up. And her dad, the next morning, is a totally bodacious broski who can't remember Luke. Mm-hmm. 
and he introduces the character of Andrea. Yes. And Maria's like, yeah. oh, you've not mentioned her before, and you fancy lady. But when Maria just invites herself over to Sarah Jane's house, uh, that's where Andrea lives. Yeah. Now, Andrea yeah. seems to recognise Maria, but Maria has no idea who this Andrea is. So, this was the point at which I kind of perked up with this story because I was like, oh, okay, we're doing this. That's 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 fun. That's different. You know, it's not just it's not just going to be rubber suited aliens stomping about. You know, like I say, the, the the fact that we've got we've got a rather more existential, cerebral situation that needs to be unravelled here. Um, I, I think d d does make it a bit more interesting. And uh, I, I do want to say specifically, I don't have a name in front of me, but but uh, the young actor who plays Maria, I think I think this is her strongest episode to date. Because mm -hmm. uh, this whole story, basically, she has to carry the whole thing. Yeah. On, across both parts. And I think she acquits herself really well here. Yeah, I never really thought of that before when I watched it. Yeah, she's in every scene, pretty much, isn't she? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Right, so... Uh, yeah, Sarah Jane's house is where Andrea lives. Sarah Jane's not there. Uh, Andrea appears in all the rad skating photos. So Maria mm -hmm. thinks, oh, I don't know what's going on. I best ring Clyde. And Clyde has no memory of their friendship. Yeah. All of their incredible adventures they've had together. Mm. So, Maria remembers only Sarah Jane can stop the meteor. So, here's the threat. No Sarah Jane's bad enough, but when she's the only uh, person that can stop the meteor, it gets worse. Don't mind me, listeners. I'm just, I'm just getting a frozen duck wing out of the freezer for our dog. I'm glad you said it was for the dog, because otherwise <laughs> the yeah, I just, vegetarian I just, illusion of this character yeah. of David <laughs> is shattered. Yeah. I just, yeah, I just suck raw frozen duck wings like ice lollies. Yeah. Right. Uh, in keeping with the theme of this series, uh, Maria commits breaking and entering and just lets herself into Andrea's house. Uh, yeah. Runs upstairs but... to the attic. That has happened in every uh, every story so far, hasn't it? It feels like. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, yeah, she goes up to the attic, and I thought this was really awkward, where she just goes, Mr. Smith, I need you. And then Mr. Smith's not there. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be embarrassing, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's just, Maria just goes mad. And her dad gaslights her a bit. I like that bit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair to, to him, he genuinely doesn't know. Like, he, his mind has effectively been rewritten. So, you know, yeah. I don't think we can hold it against him. Yeah. So... We find out Andrea just lives life to the full. She's an absolute madam. But we also find out, David, that 
Sarah Jane disappeared in 1964. Ooh. She didn't just disappear, David. She's dead. Yeah. And we know Andrea was there. She went into deep shock. And actually, yeah. whilst Maria's looking at this, David, on the old library system, their names switch over. Maybe it was Andrea who died and Sarah Jane was in shock. Who knows what's going on? Yeah. Okay. It's, uh, yeah. I mean, it's we're starting to piece together that it's some sort of like, you know. Yeah. It's... Uh, Time has been rewritten. Here's where the character of Maria's dad takes another sharp left turn. Uh -huh. Whilst he's such a rad dude who hasn't got a care in the world, he pretty much notices his, his daughter's having some sort of mental event and he needs to yeah. take her to the doctors. Yeah. Uh, but instead, Maria just covers it all up and pretends everything's okay. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And he's just like, yep, yeah, sure, I'll take you at your word. So, again, Maria shows very little social awareness and begins mm -hmm. to probe Andrea over the death of her close friend. Yeah. And says, I'll bring Sarah Jane back. Bit yeah. inappropriate when a friend mm -hmm. suffered. But we see Andrea also has a cube that says, remember. And as it does, the hooded trickster... Approaches again. Yeah. And Andrea says, oh, I forgot what happened that day. So, oh, well, the mystery's building. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, we find out that Maria has some sort of mental barrier and can't forget what happened. It's convenient, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, I suppose so. So the hooded figure says, rather than making Maria forget, why don't I make everyone forget Maria? I'll just remove her. And Andrea mm. just goes, yes, please. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like pretty much no hesitation. <laughs> okay. I mean, so, she, she says she doesn't want her to be killed. But, you know, literally everything is like, like solitary confinement. Sure, whatever. Just. <laughs> uh, yeah. Right. Great. Now, we find out that Sarah Jane has been zapped into a mirror like the family of blood. Yeah. And she speaks to Maria, and Maria recalls that she has a cube. Mm. Um, yeah, it's just like, the whole time you, you sat there just like, hey, Maria, what about the MacGuffin you were given in, like, the second scene? Yeah. You think it might have anything to do with that this week? <laughs> yeah, remember literally the only thing you've done today. Um, <laughs> so Andrea begins to separate Maria from her dad, doing so allows Maria to be forgotten. Mm -hmm. A little goblin man appears and begins to chase Maria. Yeah, so this is this is the Grask. Okay. Um, you will not necessarily be familiar with the Grask. No, I but... did wonder whether... Because don't they say, oh, we've seen these before, and I don't well, know whether we have. If you were a die-hard fan of the Russell T. Davis era, you would be aware of the Grask who first appeared in a BBC Red Button interactive mini-sode <laughs> entitled Attack of the Grask, um, which debuted, I think, around the same time as the Christmas Invasion, so, like, right at the start of Tenant's era. And it's it's like a little mini-game where it's just like, oh, oh, press 1 to choose this button, to push this button on the TARDIS console, and 
you know, interspersed with pre-recorded bits with David Tennant and, you know, and uh, and, and Jimmy V running around in a silly costume. And that's the other thing. Just just looking at the grass, it's just it's nothing to me screams RTD era like Jimmy V, Jimmy v plastered in latex <laughs> running around and cackling. <laughs> Because uh, for context, this is the same actor who played um, the Mox of Balhoon, Banacafalata, um, the Space Pig in um, the Aliens of London two-parter. Oh, he's done it all. He's done it all. He also played the Scovox Blitzer. Oh wow! Yeah. That's pretty cool. So. Um, yeah, but so that was the first appearance of the Grask. Subsequent to that, he also appeared in a skit for um, uh, a BBC Proms. They did a Doctor Who prom one year, playing all of Murray Gold's scores and things. Um, and uh, so he appeared in that. In it was called Music of the Spheres. Uh, he also popped up in some in some like uh, browser games and things. <laughs> of that era so like if like i say if you were die hard rtd era you who fan at that time you would definitely have like recognized the grask from those extra bits and bobs top trumps cards things like that but it's <laughs> the grask has never actually appeared in a regular television story of doctor who so um yeah right Maria's dad then picks up the cube and begins to faint. Yeah. And there is evidence that Maria is disappearing. Maria's yeah. mum forgets who Maria is. <coughs> and we see that, I mean, this isn't addressed at any point in the story. When Maria has disappeared, she's on like a big, horrible, rocky platform flying above the earth. Uh huh. And then she's on the pier. Like, what was going on with that rocky platform? That didn't need to be there. Well, she... Because that's where she was... She was being sort of led into that limbo zone, but she managed to escape mm. and very conveniently found her way to the exact point in time and space where the inciting incident for this story takes place. Yeah. Because um, she... Manages it's to handy. fall off a shelf and land in 1964. Yeah. I will say, uh, on the one hand, it, again, it's annoying because it's like basically Sarah Jane Adventures sort of trying to do Doctor Who without having the TARDIS, but it is quite nice to have a have a, some scenes in a historical setting, get away from contemporary Earth for a little bit, mm-hmm. even if it did basically amount to a few people in period costume and an old candy floss cart. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but also in 1964 is little Sarah Jane and little Andrea. Yeah. And that is a cliffhanger for episode one. Not about cliffhanger. Certainly, I didn't see it coming. No, like... <coughs> I mean, the episode didn't go where I thought it was going to off the back of no. the cliffhanger, but yeah, not bad. Yeah, excellent. So, shall we shall we crack on? Okay. Episode 2. Maria realises she's gone back in time, and she wants to stop Sarah Jane dying on the pier. Except the little goblin appears and zaps Maria away. 
Yeah. Into a white void dimension where Sarah Jane is. Yeah. And having been transported back in time to 1964 by a little goblin who then zaps you into a white void dimension, Maria, surprisingly happy at this outcome. <laughs> yeah. It's just been one of those days, I guess. So, Maria's dad can't convince her mum that Maria is real and realises it's the box. Maria speaks to Sarah Jane about what's going on and Sarah Jane remembers and recalls Andrea. And, Mm -hmm. again, we get this notion that if Sarah Jane is not there, then it's the end of the world. Yeah. Okay. Andrea, because she's an absolute madden who loves life and lives it to the fullest... Is having a party. Yeah, it doesn't look like an especially wild party, does it? No, because whoever wrote the script didn't alter the dialogue when she greets the guests. So she like goes, <laughs> hello, welcome to the party. If you brought your own bottle, put it on the table. Next person enters, hello, welcome to the party. If you've got your own bottle, put it on the table. She says did, the same thing about that. four times in a row. I didn't notice that to be honest, but I just I, I did did find myself thinking just like all through the script, everyone's just like, oh Andrea, yeah, she's she's a bit of a wild one. And she's just like fairly standard middle-aged lady. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Like, do you want to she's having to a birthday a party. Social gathering at my house. Yeah. She's got she's got a bit of bunting up. You know, there's there's presumably there's 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 a buffet. Probably quiche. It looked like very much like the sort of party that would have at least one quiche yeah. present. In fact, going back to what we were talking about earlier, it looked like a Downing Street gathering. <laughs> right. Um, the hooded figure appears to Sarah Jane and says she will aid the coming of darkness. Luke, in this timeline, doesn't exist because the Bane never existed. What a lovely timeline. Yeah. He's infatuated with Sarah Jane. And yeah. says, I'm going to wipe you out because then the earth is randomly destroyed and this idea of chaos is food to him. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, in, in, interesting, you know, again, you know, this is high concept stuff compared to what we've had up until this point. I feel like. Yeah, I think so. It certainly compared to like, oh, there's some Slovene again. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, so he wants to use Sarah Jane to find the Doctor to erase the Doctor from history so he can eat all the chaos caused by the lack of Doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, have, we seen, have we seen the trickster Sans Hood yet? I think we see it at this point. Yeah. Because uh, can I tell you what my immediate thought was when that hood came off? Go on. It was, I hope somebody sticks some googly eyes on him. Yeah, I won't do it now, but I'll Google it later. I bet there are. Yeah. How great would that be? Uh, anyway. Now, yeah. this is the one point where I have written Maria's dad's name. Okay. And I think Put I us out of misery. specifically because this is the other time it's mentioned. That gentleman's name is Alan. Alan. 
No, no wonder we kept forgetting it. You weren't far off with Ian. No, I just thought, what is a boring man's name? Yeah. Uh, I mean, sure. Go on, sorry. No, 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 no. I don't think I had much else to say. Um, but yeah, Alan, good. I, I mean, I'll be honest with you, Matt. This is the first episode where I've actually remembered Maria's name. Oh, wow. Yeah. I don't know, in the first episode, I thought Maria was pretty good. And then up until now, like, peaks and troughs for her performance. I think, I think her performance is very dependent on having a good script and working with a good director. Uh, and again, you know, credit due to, I think, Graham Harper. Uh, this, this I can't imagine, would have been an easy thing to get the tone right on. But I think he does, you know, with, with very few exceptions, uh, manage that here. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So Alan accosts Andrea, while yeah. Sarah Jane tells Maria they've been taken out of time. Mm-hmm. At Andrea's party, Clyde is there for some reason. And, you know, he seems like a close personal friend of Andrea's. And Bit odd, isn't it? He like, he's not the there with his parents or anything, is he? Yeah. Like, he doesn't say, oh, I'm here with my mum and dad. He's just in the corner yeah. putting his own music also, on. I, I love, I love, I love Andrea's reaction to Clyde wanting to watch the news, which is, oh, you teenagers and your TV. It's like, he wants to watch the news. Yeah. Like, that's square. not typical teenage behaviour. Right, but the news shows uh, that the meteor's still coming. Yeah. Um, Andrea begins to hide the truth from Maria's dad. And I like yeah. this line where he goes, I know you're at the centre of it all. Like, no yeah. one ever talks like that. Yeah. Um, Andrea then tells Maria's dad what's going on. We get a flashback to the pier. And it was actually Andrea who fell off the pier. Mm-hmm. Except Who'd the trickster think? appeared and offered her the chance to switch places with Sarah Jane. Yeah. Uh, when she survived, he gifted Andrea the cube, which makes her forget it all. So, the trickster says, I'm going to send Maria away for making Andrea forget. Sorry, the trickster <laughs> has made... I'll, I'll do that bit again. Yeah. The trickster has sent Maria away for making her remember, for trying to remind Andrea what was going on. So mm-hmm. Andrea just goes, yeah, can we get rid of Maria's dad as well, please? <laughs> and then the little goblin appears, except Maria's dad's so cool, he skateboards away into the goblin, knocking him over. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, can I tell you my honest reaction to that to that moment? Uh, well, not not the skateboarding moment, but the moment before. So, you have this like it, it's getting really intense and dramatic. That scene, like the the woman who's playing Andrea, is giving it like a hundred and ten percent. You know, because her sort of you know her world is unraveling. Her sort of um, the the tapestry of of of, of lies and cover ups and. And whatnot, um, uh, not unlike a certain uh, prime minister. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, but yeah, so it's getting really, really dramatic, and then seemingly out of nowhere, this, as you say, little goblin man appears and starts going, rah, 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 rah. <laughs> and it just it completely alters the tone of the scene, <laughs> and I, I just laughed so hard. 
and I, I got to imagine the intention was at least partly comical there. Um, but it's such a sort of like whiplash um, change in tones there. Yeah. So we've got ten minutes left until the meteor yeah. strike, which mm. Clyde begins to see. Andrea yeah. now knows Sarah Jane can stop it, so she brings Maria back. Yeah. And Maria says, well, I'm pretty useless. I can't help you here, pal. Bring Sarah Jane back. Um, so when she's back, Maria is remembered by her mum. But Sarah Jane's not back yet. She talks to Andrea from a mirror because they can't both exist at the same time. Mm -hmm. Andrea has to agree to die. Yeah. And this is where... Um, I'm just going to Google something. Uh, yeah. Because I want to make sure I get this correct. Okay. So this is where we get my favourite quote from the episode. Yeah. Where they all look at Andrea and just go, oh, I'm so sorry, Andrea. You were meant to die. <laughs> and all I could think, David, is the great words of Gandalf from Lord of the Rings. who says, many that live deserve death and some that die deserve life. Can you give it to them? Then do not be too eager to deal out death in judgment. So... I'm looking forward to next week's episode of the Andrea Adventures. <laughs> where it's just about a middle class woman having a dinner party. <laughs> right. Andrea speaks to the trickster. She revokes her deal, says, look, I'll die. Enough's enough. enough. Uh, Sarah Jane returns and Mr. Smith stops the meteor. There's much yeah. rejoicing. We're all super happy until we turn around to the doorway of the attic. Maria's dad's there. And he's just like, God, blimey, what on earth is going up, up, up here? Like, yeah. And that's the so, end of today's episode. Yeah. You know what? I am very, very happy that we had that final moment because it, it feels like we're actually getting some development some like up until this point every every two-part story has felt very very standalone like we're doing this week this week we're doing this this week it's really nice to finally be like oh right okay things are gonna change a bit now you know it's not it's not a terribly original thing the whole you know um parent finds out about uh their their child Scooby Doo antics, you know, Buffy did it and all the rest of it. But I think after a certain point, you kind of need that, don't you? Yeah. Otherwise, it's just you know we're basically hitting the reset button every week, and we, that's going to get very very have tedious. The same four characters having the same adventure every <laughs> week forever. Yes. No. We definitely. Um, we need some movement, and it feels like this this story was kind of giving it uh, to us to a greater extent. Um, the other thing that I was thinking about just as we were having this discussion uh, is the the most obvious parallel to an episode of Doctor Who that we've seen uh, is Turn Left. Do you remember that one, Matt? Mm, yeah. So, 
I'm going to just ask you, which do you prefer, this or turn left? I prefer turn left. Right. But I prefer the trickster to a big beetle on your back. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I, I, I think it's certainly a better design, but a more interesting concept. Because um, does turn left contain a soothsayer? Well, you see, the thing is, I was kind of wondering whether the two are actually linked or not, because doesn't the, the, the trickster make some reference to how, oh, imagine if I could erase the Doctor. Mm. Like, there is definitely, there is talk of the Doctor in, in, in those final scenes with the trickster. And it did make me wonder, what's... Because I can't, in my head, figure out, did this was this broadcast before Turn Left, or was it after, or was there some you know how how closely aligned were those two episodes um but then i'm like we don't see the cubes in turn left turn we, left it's... was broadcast about eight months after this right okay it feels like uh, possibly there was an intention at one point that there would be more of a direct link i, I mean I, i'm certain we'll learn this as we watch the whole thing but i wonder yeah. With this being the first series, whether there was limitations, how much of a link they could form? Yeah, potentially. Um, you know, like they weren't allowed to massively reference or impact yeah, certain yeah. aspects of I mean, the universe. What's, what's amazing to think about with all this is that this is all pre-MCU. You know, I, Iron Man is still a twinkle in Kevin Feige's eye at this point. Um, so RTD was kind of ahead of the game here. Yeah. In terms of trying to do a, 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 a linked multi-property franchise. Um, and uh, so I do think he was he was probably quite cautious throughout um uh, which is why you know apart from that that one two parter in in uh at the end of series four there really isn't much in the way of overlap um i mean having said that obviously i don't know how much of doctor who feeds into sarah jane eventually because i've not seen that yet but certainly um you know we weren't regularly checking in on sarah jane adventures characters through the course of mm -hmm. Doctor Who, so uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm rambling really. I guess just because I, it's interesting to think about the this stuff in the context of the fact that the RTD is taking the reins again now, and he is now uh, unlike last time, he's doing it in a in a context where the MCU is you know the biggest science fiction property in the world mm -hmm. I, I don't think that's an overstatement I, th I think it has eclipsed Star Wars at this point in terms of uh, popularity and, and uh, other metrics um, <clears throat> and it really has rewritten the rule book on what you can do with this kind of stuff and RTD has talked in interviews about how it was something that's always interested in him 
and he's it's something that he thinks Doctor Who should be doing. Like he was saying that in interviews before he he took the the job back. So people have quite rightly speculated that that is potentially part of the game plan here and that we could start seeing spin-offs and it just makes me wonder what form are those spin-offs going to take because I, I I would hope because I think one of we, we will kind of I think have to, to maybe revisit this further down the line when we when we've maybe completed Sarah Jane Adventures and, and Torchwood but I think possibly one of the big issues with those two as spin-offs is that they were intended for very different target audiences mm-hmm. so you had Doctor Who that was for everyone and then you had Torchwood that was strictly grown-ups and then Sarah Jane Adventures that was really meant for kids and you know Doctor Who nerds who are just going to watch everything regardless of the target audience mm-hmm. um, and when you look at Marvel they're doing a huge array of different things but they're not really targeting different largely different audiences with that they're kind of just kind of saying this is for everyone with everything they do you yeah, know WandaVision it. is quite for everyone Loki is for everyone quite literally is everyone yeah um, and there's no reason why Doctor Who spin-offs couldn't and shouldn't be taking that same approach, I don't think. I don't want to see something like Torchwood that is, you know, you know, uh, rammed with, with gore and sex references and stuff like that because, you know, the, it's a chance to do something that you couldn't do on Doctor Who. I don't think there's any... <sighs> You know, I don't think there's much validity to that um, as an approach, um, and I think the MCU has proved that you don't that it's probably easier to build an interconnected universe if you're not targeting different people <laughs> with your different spin-offs. Um, Kel surprise. Anyway, that was just a bit of an of an. Uh, uh, unedited uh, mind ramble there uh, to, to, to close us out this week. Um, I think we should probably call it a day there, shouldn't we, Matt? Um, yeah. Would you like to know what, we, what we're going to be uh, watching next week? Oh, I'd love nothing else. Now, I looked this up earlier. I no longer have it in front of me, so I hope I'm right. It's only three words, and I'm pretty sure those three words were The Lost Boy. So I'm really hoping that Luke falls in a ditch. Yeah, it's the episode <laughs> and, where we write him out. <laughs> or at the very least, it's another two-parter where he barely features. Yeah. Um, but anyway, we, we shall have to wait and see. Uh, until then... As always, thank you ever so much, uh, listeners, for joining us. And until next time, cheerio. Thank you for listening to Neither the Time Nor the Space. If you wish to contact us, our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com. And on Twitter, we are at Time Nor Space Pod. 
and thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who theme. <laughs>